Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today on The Roundtable, we kick off season four of our podcast. This season, we will be looking at the book New Power by Jeremy Hyman and Henry Timms. We'll spend some time discussing its implications on culture, leadership, and the church. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us at the Roundtable. Hi, I'm Henry Timms, and I'm the co-author of New Power. As we look across the world right now, uh, it's all feeling very chaotic. It's all feeling very disconnected. We have the unexpected rise of people like Barack Obama or Donald Trump. We have these amazing platforms that have risen up in our lives, like Uber or Facebook. We have these social movements, which have sprung out of nowhere, like Me Too or Never Again. And what all of these things have in common is what this book is all about, which is new power. New power is this idea of the ability to harness the energy of the connected crowd. And what the book's about is the fact that anyone in the world right now who is really getting ahead has worked out how they can get new power into their hands and push it in the direction of the outcomes that they seek. I wish to become the most powerful being in the universe. I will have the power to get rid of you. Look, I'm still the same guy. But with power, my powers are beyond your mortal imagination. That is strength, boy. That is power. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power. Why every time you get a low position of power, you abuse your authority? You think it's that easy, that I'm just gonna hand you the secret to limitless power? All who gain power are afraid to lose it. You've enjoyed all the power you've been given, haven't you? I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. Welcome, this is Alan in Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me today is Brenna in Albany, Oregon, and Terry in Austin, Texas. And today we're going to start, again, we're going to start season four of the Forge America Missional Podcast, and we've decided to kind of base it in this book called New Power. I, I remember a long time ago when I was in college, which was like the early 90s, mid 90s, I went to this event at a hotel, and it was kind of a, uh, a look at the different descriptions of generations. So you had Generation X, you had Generation whatever. And it was this amazing cultural analysis of people. And it just blew me away. I loved the idea of sitting back and looking at culture as a whole. And then I stumbled across the word uh, zeitgeist. <laughs> it's one of those, you know, $200 words, zeitgeist, a good German word that just means like the culture of the time or the spirit of the time, the spirit of the age. And I loved that idea ever since. The idea of looking at uh, culture as a whole from 30,000 foot and understanding it, understanding what's going on. You can understand pockets of culture, but I love the idea of understanding holistically how our um, society, how is culture changing and evolving and doing things differently now. And it is no um, surprise to anyone that right now we are in the midst of what feels like major cultural shift, major cultural change. And as Forge, one of the things we always talk about is understanding your culture, understanding uh, what's going on around you, understanding your context. And so we picked this book because we like the ideas of where things are happening and what is going on in culture around us. And this book seems to be an incredible cultural analysis. 
Yeah, and you know, if you are listening to the conversations that people are having in the church right now, I think a lot of it can be boiled down to talking about power. You know, if, if everyone's listening to the Mars Hill podcast, so that's a that's a no brainer. That is a, a podcast about power, and, and everyone's discussing uh, what happened there and what use of power went wrong. Uh, you hear about denominations that are warring internally over topics like racial reconciliation and women's leadership, and there's power struggles there. Uh, even just in our, our culture, like what does it mean to be free as a believer in, in the current culture right now? And, and there's uh, warring factions, there's uh, some good discussions, maybe not a whole lot on social media, uh, but really uh, a lot of this boils down to power. You know, some of it, let's just say, is just plain sin. Like we, we gotta, we gotta admit that there's sin on the parts of individuals. There's sin on the parts of churches as a whole, and those things need to be confessed of and repented. Period. Uh, but there's also another layer, Alan, like you were talking about, that there's a shift in our culture right now, and it's being fueled by how we, as a culture, see power, and it's very interesting and has a lot of implications for how we lead and organize as gospel communities. One of the things I find very interesting in that conversation is the idea of power in and of itself. And so when you actually look at the definition of power, you have to go with, you know, if you just went with the straight up dictionary definition, it's the ability to act or produce an effect. So in other words, the idea of power isn't good or bad inherently. It's it's kind of neutral. It's how you use power. So in other words, you can look at it and say, all right, God, God has power, right? God is, is he's all powerful. He has power. How does he use that power? And that'd be a fun discussion to look at some point is to say, well, how does, how does God use his power? Well, you have to look at Christ and you look at Philippians, you look at how this is how Jesus used his power, right? He gave up his power to be among us. But this idea that power is is that good or bad? It is it's it's inherent in the systems that we have and how do we use it? You used a good example. People have used power in negative ways. You know, whatever you want to look at. People have used their power in negative ways. They they use their ability um, to produce an effect that was not um, towards the good, towards shalom, if you will, right? The way God intended the world. They use their power that way. And so I love this conversation of saying, well, how is it we're going to use our power? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you make, uh, Alan, because I, I think there this is two conversations that we're having, um, or at least potentially throughout this season. You know, there's the conversation of... Uh, how do we deal with power and how is power used? The other conversation is it's more of a philosophical question on how the church uses power. And so uh, and even um, New Testament versus Old Testament, you know, where you can see a more hierarchical type of leadership enacted uh, in the Old Testament. And Jesus really speaks more of a flat leadership in the New Testament. And so. Uh, I think we have to be careful uh, and 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 do this, you know, really do this conversation well, that we don't just bag and rag on so many different churches out there who that we might think they're doing this wrong. And so, uh, this is the one of the things I love about the book, and and just even the idea is, you know, more than anything, it it, it raises the question. As pastors, as leaders, as as network leaders, how are we how are we leveraging the favor, the power, the influence, the leadership? 
however you want to define it. How, how are we how are we using that? How are we how are we using that for good? Uh, and then where do we take advantage of it? And and I think that's the that's the biggest question is utilizing that fill in the blank power, leadership, influence, favor, using it to the point where you don't abuse it, right? And and I think there are examples in the landscape of the Western Church where there are people who are guilty of abusing it. They they go a little bit too far. And so I want to make sure uh, if you're listening and we're not we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, uh, but I do think it's worth having a conversation and looking at some of these things. And more than anything, don't don't take anything that we say in the, in, in this series of conversations as as what you should do. More than anything, hopefully this just causes you to reflect in your own leadership, to reflect in your own uh, influence, your own leadership, your own favor, uh, your own power uh, that you might kind of yield uh, or wield. Is it wield or yield, right? It's it's wield, Depends like on sword. What, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, wield, yes, wield with yeah. a W. So you should wield some power, but also yield some power from time to time. So, so it's both. Well, I like how you said it, man, because there's there's two different conversations. It is the culture as a whole, so so all of society, but then also the, the posture of the church, right? And one of the things that we have noticed as Fords before the pandemic was the posture that the church takes in society, the, especially the Western church. Let's just speak to that. The Western church that, that maybe we just even just say the American church, the posture that we've taken in society has been one of, in the past, almost like inherited power, like, right? Like we we were the center of society. Well, we've all seen the death of Christendom, the idea that we are not no longer part of the center of society. We're on the fringes. And to be honest with you, we've always been a better movement when we're on the fringes. And so what does that mean? And again, I think this conversation has to go back to the idea of uh, I think Hirsch would would appreciate this, you know, re-Jesusing ourselves. You know, how do we go back and become more like Jesus? The whole cruciform life, you know, the idea that our power uh, is to be used the way that Jesus used His. Well, what did He do? He gave up His power. He became like us. He acted like, as a, He was. He was a servant. Didn't act. He was a servant to humanity. So, what does that mean? How does that affect? us personally? How does that affect the, you know, the, the organizations, the movements that we are able to serve and to lead, and, and then the posture that we take in the world? And I love the conversation that this book brings up because it is a shift in how the world is viewing a lot of these issues as well. And again, I think you said this last time, Terry, at the end of season three, which is the idea that these ideas um, are, aren't, aren't so much like, hey, this is good, this is bad, you know, as a clear line between old power and new power, which we'll get into the definition of that here in a minute. But, you know, this is good, this is bad. Um, but what does it mean? What does it mean that things are shifting? What does it mean that people are looking at systems and organizations differently? And what does it mean for the church? So, you know, when Terry and Alan said, hey, Brenna, pick up this book, New Power, uh, we're going to we're going to read it. I was like, why are we reading a book about power? Uh, but it's really been intriguing uh, to jump into these concepts and to to really think about how our culture is moving and changing. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense to me uh, in our connected age right now of the Internet, the way that power moves has fundamentally changed. 
Before the internet, all power and information and influence would flow in a top-down hierarchical manner. Uh, so somebody at the top of a structure would be a um, authoritarian. They would have all the information. They would be the... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? The they expert. Would be, there it is. I couldn't think of the word expert. They would be the expert in their field. They would um, disseminate then down decisions, information down to people who were under their leadership. But with the introduction of the internet, uh, information doesn't just come from the experts at the top anymore. It's now being passed from person to person, and our access to the information has greatly increased. So we don't just, in today's society, we don't just rely on information from those in authority. We also learn on our own, and we also share information. So this has changed how power shows up in our world. Uh, in the book, uh, New Power, they say that old power models are enabled by what people or organizations own, know, or control that nobody else does. Once old power models lose that, they lose their advantage. Old power models ask of us only that we comply or consume. New power models demand and allow for more, that we share ideas, create new content or assets, and even shape community. And I thought there was a really great picture that they uh, described with some video games, which I don't fully understand. And it even gave me <laughs> a great uh, picture of understanding old power, new power. So somebody else who understands video games, will you unpack the Tetris versus Minecraft <laughs> word yeah, picture? So yeah, so the idea would be, you know, uh, uh, Terry, you probably grew up with this. I don't know, uh, Brent, if you did, but growing up playing Tetris, right? So Tetris, it's based on blocks. You you get the blocks, the way the author says, you get the blocks from up on high, right? The blocks just keep coming down, coming down, and you just have to organize it. And so you put the blocks in order and you just kind of survive, right? So the blocks are coming up. You have no control over what blocks you're getting. You have no control over any of that. The only thing you can really control is where they go, right? And you just... You just go until eventually you 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 you're done. You can't you can't play anymore. Versus the idea of Minecraft again blocks again. So the idea of these pieces and the idea, but you have this open world. So my kids, my older two, they loved playing Minecraft. Especially my oldest, she loves Legos. She loved playing Minecraft and creating these open worlds that are based on blocks, but you get to create whatever you want. And so. That is the kind of the word analogy, the word picture they're giving between this idea of Tetris, which is the old power values, and Minecraft, which is everybody gets to play. You all have equal access. Here it is. How do you channel what you've been given? Yeah, and I think even using that idea and thinking through like kind of the the, the big the big point of this book, um, I think it I think it boils down to mobilization which that was the original reason why I even wanted to read the book because Forge America is very much in the business uh, and mindset of mobilization. And so it's the idea in Tetris, it would be so frustrating because you would have, you would build your little area and you just needed the, the, the vertical long stick. And it's like, if I could just get that one, it's going to unlock everything and I'm going to be able to get rid of some blocks and it's going to be fantastic. But the powers that be would never freaking give you the long stick that you needed. And it would just keep giving you, you know, the 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 wonky, you know, it looks like an S and and it would just screw you up. And it would that would be the end. And the thing about Minecraft that's so beautiful is 
it's it, yes, you're given blocks, but you get to choose what blocks you want. But it, it's not it even changes it from 2D to 3D. Right. So now you can pivot and you can move in any direction. And so you actually give your blocks whatever you're given. You, you actually are able to give it more power. Right. You'll be able to you're able to do exponentially more with a block in Minecraft than what you can do with a block in Tetris. And so that's that's what I think this is really boiling down to is is what does mobilization look like, right? Uh, we've multiple times we've joked about the subtitle of this book. It's how anyone can persuade, mobilize, and succeed in our chaotic, connected age. The goofiest, worst subtitle ever, but it does nail the idea of what power should be leveraged for, and especially this this idea of new power versus old power is how are we influencing people? How are we mobilizing people? And what does it actually look like to be successful and, and to achieve our vision in a chaotic, chaotic and connected age? Well, let me give you an example, Brenna, of a practical example of one of the things you just talked about. So the idea of old power. So old power values were you had a genius in the room. The genius has really all the power and they disseminate disseminate it down to everybody else. And I think you said you have to comply, right? That's, that's your biggest thing. Uh, you, you're basically you're just you're just there to consume, comply and consume. Right. Well, I, I can't remember where I read this article, but I, I thought it was fascinating. And it took that concept, th- this concept of old power, new power, without ever explaining it and put it up against the church right now. And so, for example, the way that the church is structured right now is you have someone who is the genius in the room, who brings the word, if you will. Right. So typically it's the preacher, the pastor, that, that central figure who is the learned person. Well, that came from back in the day when... You know, we started the Gutenberg Press, you started to get the Bible out there. Well, not everybody could read. And so what happened was, is you gave the Bible to the most, you know, learned person in the community and said, will you teach us this, right? You can read this, you teach us what's going on in here, and we're going to listen, Okay. Well, that that has carried through until now. This idea of, hey, you know, we've got a genius. You tell us, and then okay, we we kind of wrestle with it, we struggle with it, we move on. Well, we're still doing that. But the idea is now anybody can get on the internet and listen to fifty thousand different podcast sermons. You could go to church wherever you want in the world, right? If you if you had the idea of going to church, you know, you could listen to anybody, get wisdom, get I these ideas. So this premise is is gone, really. You know, especially now during the pandemic where everybody went online, everybody said, oh, we got to we got to put all our services, all our gatherings online. We got to put them on podcasts. We got to put them on YouTube. We got to do Facebook Live, all the different things. You could do that. So there is no more genius in the room. So what does it mean to still be the church in that transition? What does it mean? And again, Terry, I think it goes back to what you said. It goes back to mobilization. Yeah. And I think it's important that we pause here. And again, this is something we harp on over and over and over again in Forge is context, context, context. And so there are going to be areas where new power is going to have a lot more fluidity and have a lot more influence and space to really kind of do its thing. And then there are going to be some areas uh, and some contexts that old power is still going to reign supreme. And, And again, we're not presenting this from a, hey, you should ditch old power and get into this new power thing. Um, I, I, at least that's not my posture. I'm not trying to advocate for one over the other. What I, what I think is important is being aware of these different constructs of how power is used and utilized and then finding what is the best way, 
for, for your own leadership. Uh, one of the things that they do in the book uh, is they, they talk about the idea that tools bring us closer together, but can also drive us further apart. Uh, new power, it can be just as it's not like new power is always good. New power can be very devastating. New power can be very, very harmful. And so uh, please don't hear what we're not saying. We're not advocating that this new power is the way or is the way that you should be adopting. But it's just intriguing. It's fascinating how new power could potentially unlocks uh, the, the kind of the mystery of the church in the West where we've really kind of struggled uh, of really being the church where we see ex true exponential growth like we've seen the church in China and Iran and Cuba and those sorts of places. Yeah, I like what they said in the book that it's not an... Um... Like you said, there's not one that's necessarily good or bad. It's to see old power and new power on a spectrum. Yeah. And in different different circumstances, you're going to want old power. <laughs> and in different circumstances, you're going to want new power or a combination of those. You know, like if I'm having uh, appendicitis and I need surgery, I don't want new power people coming in and come to do my surgery. I want somebody who's gone to school for a while and has maybe performed some surgeries before, before they come in and do my surgery. I want expertise in those circumstances, you know, and, and and Alan, the, the, when you were talking about the, the getting the first Bibles and, and people that could read being the one to interpret the Bible, that's a good old power situation. If you, if you didn't have the ability to read, you needed somebody to read. Uh, but we're in, we've been stuck in some of those systems and our culture's changing. And the way that we release people and mobilize people, there's a great opportunity for us uh, if we are uh, learners of our culture right now and as leaders in the church to uh, unlock and release the priest of all, all believers. Uh, so it's a really cool cultural moment to be able to lead in this way right now. So here's the fascinating thing about that too, is the opposite of that. Um, so you're talking about, oh, I've, I've got appendicitis. I want a doctor who does have wisdom and who's done this before. And in the, I think it's in the book, they talk about the opposite about that, where somebody who uh, was suffering some, from something, they go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't quite get it, doesn't quite understand, um, doesn't quite know how to navigate it. Um, and this person went out into the world and basically found other, um, you know, found a community of, of people and said, hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to find other voices to to speak into this medical journey that I'm on and found an alternative idea. And so I, this, the idea of a spectrum, I think, is huge, Brenna. This idea that it's not one is good, one is inherently bad, one is inherently good, anything like that. It is There's a spectrum here. And, and sometimes you have to employ both of these ideas. But I still think it goes back to the cultural analysis where you're starting to see more and more people now saying, I don't want to just consume and comply. I want to be able to contribute. I want to be able to participate. I want to be able to shape it. I want to be able to fund it. I want to be able to do all of those things, which the church hopefully should invite and welcome and be able to say, yes, that, that we want you to be a part of this. Yeah, that's great news. You know, how often as leaders we're like, man, I've only got a few people that do all the work in, in my church or in, uh, and my organization. And the idea that people want to participate and people want to contribute is good news to church leaders. Yeah, I think it boils down to having the eyes to see uh, your situation. It's, it's, a, it's exactly what you said, Bradford, is that can we... 
can we discern when new power is best used and when old power is best used? And and you know they're they're selling a book, so they're using the idea of old power, new power, traditional power, whatever you want to call it. But it it's really it's seeing how power can be used in a variety of different ways. NASA is a they they actually even use NASA and as a, as an example in the book. You know NASA, there are some aspects of NASA where you want like traditional old power systems in place. But what makes NASA so awesome is the collaborative new power aspect of, of it as well. And so in organization, can you have aspects of new power and old power? But here's the tricky, messy part. And I think that's what I love about Forge. We're all about the tricky, messy things of life is when do you when do you vacillate into new power? And when do you hold on to this old idea? And um, yeah, I, I think that's that, that's the tricky part is trying to figure that out. And holding all of that up against the person of Jesus, too. Sure. Right? We, you know, consistently are having, like we said before, to read Jesus ourselves. And so uh, con- consistently submitting ourselves to uh, how did Jesus use power? And then in those two models, old power, new power, uh, how do we um, reflect the person of Jesus uh, in the way that we're leading? That's good. That's a great reminder. Well, at this point, I think it'd be really good to sit down and say, okay, we've talked about it. And you know, we know some people who have read the book who are going to be very intrigued by the book. Hopefully you might be intrigued and grab it. Uh, but, but but if you don't, let me just give you a baseline definition of what we're going to be talking about, because we're going to come back to this concept and this idea throughout season four. We'll sit around at the round table and discuss it um, and some of the different concepts, some of the different ideas. But we're also going to be interviewing people who are displaying these ideas of new power, and we'll try to connect the ideas together. But one of the ideas, I think, uh, behind new power is this baseline idea, and it's this, that old systems aim to control power while new systems aim to channel it. And that is the baseline difference between old power and new power. And again, it's not a right, wrong, good, bad. It is just what it is. And in the book, um, it kind of talks about the the idea of two different mindsets. And so it has a, a little chart and it has like old power values and new power values. Let me give you some of those, just kind of base this discussion in. So an old power value would be that it's very formal uh, in, in its governance. It, it's, it's manager type. It, it's institutional. On the opposite of that, a new power value would be that it's informal. It's very networked in its governance. It, it's kind of you get to opt in in the decision making. And there's a lot of self-organization. An old power value would be that there is competition. Um, there's exclusivity. There's resource consolidation. You know, again, we're going to hold on to what we have. A new power value would be that there's collaboration. There's the wisdom of the crowd, the genius in the room. There's sharing. There's open source. Another old power value would be uh, that there's confidentiality and discretion. Uh, There's separation between private and public spheres. Where in new power values, there's going to be radical transparency. You're going to be able to see what's going on behind the curtain. And an old power value, there's expertise and professionalism and specialization. A new power value would be there's a maker culture, the do-it-ourselves ethic, the idea that we can all contribute in some form or fashion. And then finally, the old power value would have, say, there's long-term affiliation and loyalty, and there's less overall participation. So the idea like, hey, you're in it, you're going to be in it for a long time. Whereas a new power value would be there's short-term conditional affiliation. So there's more overall participation. 
And so when we talk about these two different ideas, that's kind of like a, a baseline sort of idea without going into it real deep. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. But there is just some kind of some quick takeaways on the difference between old power and new power. I am really looking forward to this season to be able to have these conversations with uh, thought leaders around the world and to mull over how do we lead well in this new power age and how do we reflect Jesus and how we do that. And I'm looking forward to uh, wrestling with this, to mulling it over and to applying it to my areas of leadership and to hearing how other people are applying it. Uh, It's going to be a fruitful season. Jump in with us, join the conversation, uh, and let's figure out how we look like Jesus in this new power age. Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America longs to see the reign of God revealed in the everyday spaces of life. To do this, we partner with the local church to mobilize the people of God to participate in the everyday mission of God. If you'd like to know more about Forge America, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com.